What's up, brand builder? Stephen Hurrahan here on the Brand Master Podcast. And in this episode, I'm chatting with Phyllis Williams Strauder, also known as the Ghetto Country Brandmother. Now, Phyllis is a personal brand at its best, and she's gone from the barbecue world where she started and grew a barbecue business to $2 million into the branding world where she's consulting with clients about building their brand through brand strategy. And in this episode, we're chatting about her journey from that world, from the barbecue world into the brand strategy world and the value of having processes, overcoming imposter syndrome and knowing your worth. So if you want to know how to get into brand strategy, how somebody has gone from the barbecue world into the brand strategy world through processes, through trial and error, through a little bit of courage, then stick around for this episode of the Brand Master Podcast. Welcome to the Brand Master Podcast. Show specialized in helping branding professionals and entrepreneurs to build brands using strategy, psychology, and creative thinking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Master Podcast. And I'm absolutely delighted to have on the show with me today, Phyllis Williams Strauder. Now, Phyllis, if you don't know that name, you might know her as her personal brand name, which is the Ghetto Country Brandmother. Phyllis, Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Oh my goodness. You don't know how excited I am for this. I get you all to myself. So, Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Let's, <laughs> let's get into it. Let's get into it. So Phyllis, I've got a, a bunch of questions here for you and you know, that'll kind of take us through how you became a, a brand strategist and how you're now uh, providing strategy services to clients and helping them to elevate their own personal brands. But before we get to there, why don't we kind of bring it back a little bit? Because you don't actually come from a branding background per se. You you uh, started and grew a $2 million barbecue business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then how that led you to to the world of branding? Yeah, we started out in barbecue. It was all smoke. It was all smoke. Um, it's It was an accident. I actually had a job way back when, but my husband, he was doing barbecue competitions and barbecue competitions are expensive. And he was spending my shoe money, y'all. And that's what was pissing me <laughs> off. <laughs> and so we started selling, we started selling lunches from our dining room table in order to make money for him to do the competitions. And it just grew from that. And every time we did something, it's like, okay, baby, what do you think about this? Okay, baby, what do you think about that? And I said, I, I was the one that talked myself into this, even though I don't cook on purpose. I should not have owned anybody's restaurant for any reason. I don't even cook with my child. But <laughs> um, but because my husband, and food is my husband's love language and he loves to cook, he loves spicy, he loves all of that. So every time I saw an opportunity, as, uh, opportunity for us to step forward, I would take it. So we went from the from our dining room table, went from our farmers markets to catering, and and so we opened up our first restaurant, um, and that was at like in I forget 2015, 2014, somewhere around there. And then we opened our second restaurant. My second restaurant was our was my favorite, and it was called Big Mister's Morning Wood, <laughs> and people would <laughs> stop and take pictures. <laughs> But um, we were getting ready to open a third restaurant and I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. I was kind of done. Mm. And um, from there, I had to figure some shit out because I thought I wanted to be a business coach. 
But then as I was getting my certification in branding, I was like, oh, I kind of like this. But my husband had always been the face of the company. And I had to like, oh, I got to go look at people and talk to people myself. It's like, oh, yeah. So it was kind of scary. And so it went from barbecue to branding. That's just the really short version of that journey. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, before I, I kind of dig into that a little bit, before we move on from the barbecue side of things, what was your number one seller? Our number one seller was... Um, we had a couple, but the, the biggest one was brisket. There, doing a smoked brisket is hard for a lot of people because they either dry it out or, and you always see those barbecue people where they're squeezing the meat and squeezing all the juice out. Sweetie's only juice on one side. The dry side is like, uh-uh. But yeah, people are, don't believe that nonsense. It's like you don't squeeze the juice out because it takes too much to put the juice in. But brisket <laughs> was our bestseller. And then we did something called pig candy. And pig candy is thick sliced maple bacon covered in cayenne brown sugar um cayenne brown sugar and our rub and we smoke it till we make bacon batter yeah that was what people came to us for they well, just bought the barbecue because it was extra <laughs> it's 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 coming up to dinner time over here so that's uh that's kind of really got me going <laughs> if ever i make it over that side i i i would like a, a a taste of at least one of those so uh so we'll 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 put a pin in that until uh, until later on so so as you grew that business you got a taste for for business and that's that was all kind of by accident. When you mm -hmm. fell into, when you came across branding, what was it about branding that spoke to you and kind of took you down that path? What was it that drew you in? It was probably actually my own insecurities because like I said, in our former business, it was always easy to put, um, push Neil in front of the camera because Neil's a mediator. He, he likes that kind of stuff. But mm. for me, because now I had to speak up for myself and while I had started doing some public speaking, I still was not comfortable in marketing my business. It's like, mm. it's easy to put a price on a sandwich and put a price on a rack of ribs and all that kind of stuff. But then that whole thing where you, when people talk about charge your worth, it's like, hell, I don't know what I'm worth. I don't know what to charge. Mm. Um, it became very problematic. And my business suffered early on until I figured out like finding branding was like, finding damn near a religion for me. It's like, oh shit, I get to do this. And now I have to show up and do this. And once I took myself out of it and just made it about the brand, then it was a lot easier for me to begin to step into that. It wasn't like just, oh, uh, uh, it, um, it flipped a switch, mm. but it was still like, okay, this is going to be my saving grace. I'm going to mm. blame it on the brand. If anything gets fucked up, then <laughs> it's not my <laughs> fault. It's the brand's fault. <laughs> Yeah, and and for for anyone who doesn't know Phyllis or her 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 personal brand, that uh, that is, that colorful language is 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 a badge of honor that that you wear, and and we'll talk about uh, brand personality and personal branding in a little bit, and how you make it work for you in a way that mm -hmm. I really align with, all about authenticity and and you know not putting on a facade and giving everybody uh, as much of you as possible. Uh, and how infectious that is. But in terms of how, because a, a lot of um, professional brand builders in, you know, uh, coming into it from an execution point of view tend to be, tend to come from the likes of, of graphic design and copywriting, but you came in through a different door. So when was the first time you heard about the term brand strategy and, you know, 
what did that kind of mean to you when when you heard the term brand strategy and you started to go down that road tell us a little bit about that journey and and if it was confusing for you if if uh you know what your sources were and and you know and why that kind of pulled you further down that rabbit hole i think it <clears throat> excuse me i think it was kind of confusing for me because i had never thought about branding from a strategic standpoint of how you get from here to there to build that reputation um, but I think it might've been Chris Doe in the future in one of his videos, but once I heard the term, I start researching and I tried to get as much free content about it as possible. And then I found your videos and, oh, you're, oh, I love your shit, but, <laughs> but it was, it was the, the way that you explained it and how you gave so much context behind it, where some people like, I'm not going to call them gatekeepers. Some people have their secret sauce that they're trying to keep behind closed doors, but you put it all out there, but even though you put it all out there, you still don't know how to put that stuff together, which is why we pay for your shit. But, but it's, it, it was such that, you know what? It made me realize, even though we had a multi-million dollar food business, we could have made millions more had we had a strategic brand. Hmm. And so I took, I took your course. I think I took yours, yours first. And then everybody was talking about Marty Neumeier. So I went and took his, but then I came back to you. But it, it, it's, it was trying to find enough people talking about strategic branding. And then I think I found Melinda's content and I looked at hers. But every time I looked at someone else, I always came back to Brandmaster Academy. And this is not a paid commercial, y'all. Trust and believe. Um, but there's just so much context and so much understanding behind how you explained it to us. And I am not a fan of online courses. I need people to talk to me. And so to get so much value out of a course, it's like, oh, shit, this is what I've been doing wrong all this time. It was such an eye-opening experience. And like I said, it helped me to better step into, you know what, if I have to be the face of my business, I know how I was in my old business. I had a, a personal brand back then. I was known as Mrs. Mister because my husband was Big Mister. But I had gotten so caught up into that that I tell people I had an identity crisis. Because I felt like if I wasn't her, I wasn't worth much. And it started to impact me personally. And so now understanding strategic branding and understanding that I didn't want to go back down that rabbit hole, it's like, okay, if I give this heifer a name, then I have to make sure that, you know what, I can do personal branding without taking it personally. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, it's not that it's about blaming the personal brand, but it's understanding what I want the personal brand for. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not working, I can go back to being Phyllis. And so, like I said, if it had not been for your content and it had not been for all of the different courses that I pay for, pay for from listening to you, I would not have even found personal branding. I mm. would still be trying to do a business branding, which I think there's enough of pe enough people out there doing that on that level where, you know what, y'all need to do some strategic personal branding, not just personal branding, showing mm. up because you're the owner. So it, it takes more than that. Yeah, and it, it, for me personally, when I see uh, people who have come through our programs go out into the world and do the exact thing, follow the exact process that we lay down, you know, and as you know, 101 of branding is positioning, is giving your audience, giving the market that reason as to why you're different from the rest and why they should should choose you. when. When I see that in action and, and you know, I, I very much see that in, in your brand, it's very, very rewarding. And 
that's that's uh, something that you know if if uh, if I can point out to anybody how valuable positioning is and how valuable finding your own voice is, you know, all you have to do is 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 look at Phyllis's brand because what you're doing and what you have done is you have uh, because you're you're very active in LinkedIn, you're very active on on social but I don't see anybody out there on LinkedIn or or on the socials speaking about brand in the way you're speaking with the angle that you're speaking from with the philosophy that you're adopting and and that you're you're uh that you're selling out there in the market. So, you know, you have your position na- nailed down. When I think of Phyllis, I don't just think of another brand strategist. I think of the ghetto country brand mother. So, why don't you talk to us about the ghetto country brand mother and your philosophy on personal branding and brand personality specifically as well, because your language uh, and your tone and the way you deliver your message is so important. So talk to us a little bit about why you 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 uh, positioned yourself in the way you did and whether or not that was mm-hmm. a difficult decision for you to to kind of go all in on that. And I would say that it was because being ghetto country, it is, it's a way of life for me. And when I first started saying it, when I said it out loud for the first time in public it was on Clubhouse. And I said, you know what? I'm ghetto country. I was raised hood adjacent by a country mama. And that's just what this is. And if people don't like it, then that's on them. And it was, it was a difficult thing to do because for a long time, like I say, when I talk about my insecurities, one of the things I was insecure about is the way that I talk. And being thought of as unintelligent or ignorant or ghetto in general, which is totally different from being ghetto country, but just having that that persona thrust upon me, it made me think that people are going to see me as uneducated. And I know I'm educated. I have degrees. I have certifications. I have all this knowledge because I love learning. But sweetie, when it comes out of my mouth, it's, it's my mama and my daddy. This is what I was raised on. This is the family that I just, you know, we sat down and we threw spades and dominoes and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like, I had to get comfortable with that. And sometimes, like I said, I still have a little bit of insecurity about it, but I own it because now you can't use it as a weapon against me. Mm-hmm. And talking about the philosophy behind it is because I want people to find, I, um, there's someone, Sean Walsh, if he always quotes me, he's like, Phyllis told me to own my crazy. And this is what I talk about. As far as my personal brand, this whole ghetto country vibe, sweetie, this is just a portion of me. When I say that you are not your brand, I'm saying that you can't nobody handle all the craziness locked up in here. So there's a portion that I bring to the world in order to do what I do effectively. Mm. And it's like, even when, when you talk about, you know what, charge your worth or charge your value or whatever that is, sweetie, I take the price tag off me. Because if you're telling me that, then I'm taking on something that is not doable because I'm sorry, y'all, I'm not a hoe. I'm not a prostitute. So there's no price tag on my ass. But what there is, is there's value in the work that I do. And I can put a price on that and feel comfortable. And even after, like, say, taking your course, I should, I put a four-figure price on that and be comfortable. Whereas before, I was barely one of those charging like $47 and all of that other kind of nonsense. Mm. But it's it's taking the weight off of trying to show up authentically in a, in a respect that, you know what, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it 100. And you lay your shit bare. 
And by that, I mean, you put all your business in the street as if that's going to make me like you more when in actuality, it makes me like you less because you think that this is it's like trying to buy friends based on vulnerability. And that's some bullshit. Mm -hmm. You have enough that you can bring to your brand without putting everything out there. Mm -hmm. So what parts do we need to bring? And when we talk about talk about it from a cultural standpoint, I'm not talking about black culture. I'm talking about the culture that you want to mix up and turn it into a personal brand that you can make money with. And so when I talk about you are not your brand, I'm saying that, sweetie, there's something in there that we can take, give that shit a name, sit it on the porch and let it make you some money. Mm -hmm. But the rest you get to keep you to yourself because you deserve to have people are always talking about mental health. But then you. Yeah, I'm gonna stop because you. <laughs> yeah, well, what I, I'm, what I, out there. I'm what I love about uh, your and you, you've only just touched on it, but it, you've touched on it in a way that, um, you know, that that I also speak about. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that. The, there's some serious rain here in the south of France at the moment. Um, but uh, the the what you touched on there is is you know vulnerabilities, and there there is this idea that uh, you know the more vulnerable you are, um, you know the the more people are going to like you, and that's as you as you said. You know, but how far do you go with that? Because there are people who 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 take it too far, and it it aligns with my philosophy of authenticity and the percentage of authenticity that you bring to the table. Because you know, er, you know, from one person to the next in the world, people know us differently. Uh, my mm -hmm. parents know me in one way, and you know, that's in the very high nineties. But my wife knows me even more. You know, my kids know me in some ways, and then my friends know me in another way. And there are different level of percentages. And the further outside those uh, circles you go, the 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 less um, of your your true self you give to others. It's about finding that balance, and it's about giving the right level of authenticity and choosing what you give. And I like the yeah. way you've developed the strategy and a framework around that, and yeah, that it, it it it's what you're saying is that yeah, personal branding is not just about showing up and being yourself. You have to really understand who you're trying to connect with and what you want to give them and why you want to give yeah. that to them. Um, so I love that you've you've kind of gone out there and you've developed your own philosophy and your own framework um, around that. Another thing that that what you said is is super interesting to me is you know your own insecurities. Because we, we, you know, we're all well aware of imposter syndrome and I don't care who you are, um, you know, you can go all the way to, to, to the top on that. Well, I've, I've, I've spoken about this a million times before, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest of the big, the most successful of the most successful all deal with, with imposter syndrome in some way, shape or form in terms of uh getting the processes that you needed to to start charging what you feel you're worth what gave you that confidence the confidence that you now have that you that you use in your personal brand what helped you with that confidence to kind of you know step out there into the world and uh you know start to raise your rates and and be confident about the prices you're charging it wasn't so much confidence as it was courage um because it's it's like 
And some of the, the content that you created is in you, you talked about the ladder pricing and all of that kind of stuff. And when I first saw that with you and I saw the price that you put on there, I put an extra number on there. So mine was four figures instead of the three figures that you suggested. But in doing that, when I did that four figures, I offered it to someone, but then I gave them a longer process. <clears throat> and it was, ugh, it was a thing because I charged this person $1,600 and I gave them this full-blown strategy and all this kind of stuff. And um, she did not use it. She did not use it. She did not own it. She did not do any part of it. Because what ended up happening, <clears throat> excuse me, she started connecting with me on the Black Girl Magic kind of vibe. I'll put it like that. And so like, oh, girl, I want to do like you and I want to be this thing. And she, so she connected on that vibe. And this is kind of how we built out her strategy. But she forgot who she was because she was connecting with me on the black girl magic side. And because her, her demeanor is very refined and it's very soft-spoken and it's very spiritual. Sweetie, the black, you could have brought a little black girl magic to that, but that's not what you wanted. And so, I mean, it's not what she, yeah, I gave her what she asked for, but I didn't give her what she needed. And that's because I wasn't refined in the strategy that I was developing yet. And I wasn't listening properly. So in a, so you can give people what they want, but and still not give them what they need. You at you ask for this and you have it, but now you won't use it. And in that first strategy, I thought it's like, dang, I'm I jacked up, I messed up, I don't know how to fix this. But because somebody had actually paid me sixteen hundred dollars, I like, oh, but shit, I'm gonna go out here and figure this out, and I'm gonna go do my thing. So it was having that first person that actually paid me sixteen hundred dollars, and even though I gave them more. Than I said I would for the sixteen hundred. It is what helped me to start develop my start developing my process and making sure that people understood. It's like you know what I this is what started pushing me towards personal branding. We need to understand you first because I'm also a certified life and business coach. So you know what? Let's look at your life and see what you actually want for your life, brand, and business, and not just for the brand. Mm -hmm. And but it was all because that first one. It's like it's still sitting out there unused. And I still have a little bit of twinge of failure on that, but it was a good thing. And it's it's knowing that people want certain things, but you don't always want what you ask for. You don't know what you want. And I think that's why a lot of people have, have a hard time trying to do their own strategy because you don't know how to ask yourself the hard questions. So you put on a persona that you think people want instead of the one you actually want. Does that make sense? Yeah, so the confidence that you got to to kind of raise those rates was was courage at first. Uh, you know, going mm -hmm. out there and and charging this this uh this big amount and then going back and learning how to fix problems in a different way and then kind of adding to those those rates as as you go. And that's it's something that I definitely um encourage because, you know, when you're starting out in brand strategy and offering services for the first time and you're transitioning from execution, let's say you're transitioning from design to copywriting, you know, to, to go out there into the world and start charging $10,000 for strategy when you haven't done it before, uh, you know, you don't have the right to do that necessarily. You, you need to give value in not just processes, but also experience as well. And, and that needs to be built over time. So, yes. you know, uh, following that process and kind of, uh, you know, learning from the mistakes as you go and adding to that experience will help that confidence and help you to uh, to charge the the rates that you're worth over time. So I, I, I really love that. But in terms of 
what's in 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 front of you at the moment what you've what what you've got in the frying pan at the moment uh for ghetto country grandmother what's what have you got that's that's uh that's up and coming um that you're kind of that you're kind of looking to evolve within what you're doing at the moment one of the things I want to do is at some point I want to expand grandma's house and license it out, license out the process that I do. Mm-hmm. And that's because I know everybody doesn't need to get a country grandmother. Somebody needs a soccer mom. Somebody needs a, a pal dad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's about being a brand parent more than it is about just being a grandmother. Mm-hmm. And so having that nurturing effect, having someone who's a strategist that's empathetic in a way that, you know what, let's nurture you instead of just handing you some shit and sending you out into the world to try and figure it out. It's like, let's license out this process so that we can have a more empathetic thing so that people can develop cultures that they actually want to be part of instead of just building a business. Hmm. And like I said, I've built a business and I've had employees and I've done taxes. Oh my God. And all of that kind of stuff. And, but it's like, all right, how do you maintain your own integrity within all of that? Mm. And it's both professional and personal that you have to maintain that integrity because people end up getting disillusioned by their own business because they turned it into a job and they made it about the bottom line. Mm. But I think if you build a brand culture, which is, I think, starts from the personal brand, are you attracting the right people, not just as clients, but but as hires, then I think it's going to hit different. And I think companies can be built better and people won't be so fearful about hiring. If they understand that they're hiring a right for it, not just based on skill, but also based on how you fit in this culture that I'm building. You know what I mean? So it's it's just taking on that persona. And that's what I want to get into is making sure that this process works well enough where it can be licensed out and we can start making different brand parents. Mm-hmm. And and look, I, I I speak about branding all day, every day. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that I get asked most is, you know, what is the process for finding your difference in the market? And I think, you know, there are so many different ways that you can go down that, but my my feedback is always the same. My guidance is always the same in any market, no matter how packed it is, because we know in the in the the brand building space, you know, the there is no there are no shortage of people out there offering services. But there's own mm-hmm. there's only one ghetto country grandmother, and that in and of itself is the proof in the pudding that you know if if you embrace uh, who you are, if you embrace your strengths, or if you turn your strengths into, or if you turn your weaknesses into strengths as as you have done yourself, there are so many different angles that you can go down. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. about being the biggest and the best and the cheapest and the fastest and the more, more convenient, you know, it's about connecting with people just as you do with your friends. You know, how do I connect with my friends and why do my friends like me? What is it about me that they like and how can I bring that to the world and wrap my brand around that? So, you know, anybody listening, whether you're in brand strategy, offering services, you know, whether you're building your own brand out yourself, just know that, you know, with a bit of creativity and a, a a bit of authenticity, looking internally to find what your strengths are and what you want to give to the world, there's a position out there for everybody. And if you find your creativity and find a way to wrap that up and bring it to the world, then, you know, 
you're going to go all in on it because you're going to believe in it. And when you believe in it, it's far more likely to be successful going forward. Phyllis, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I I will hold you to that uh, that barbecue if I ever get over to to your side oh, of the yeah. world, so which you, I, which I will house, yeah. I will eventually. Um, but uh, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to to join us today, and we'll all see you in the socials very shortly. All right, sweetheart, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Phyllis. I want to take a second to show some appreciation. I appreciate every single one of our listeners, but I have a soft spot for listeners who share the love. Shout out to Patrick Beattie from the UK. Stephen Hurahan is brilliant. Listening to this podcast should be compulsory part of every entrepreneur's early stage development. The insight delivered here, especially on the 14 stages of building a brand, has completely changed my perspective on how we should start a business. Thank you, Stephen Hurahan, for your incredible work. I wish I knew about your actionable steps to build a brand 20 years ago. If you want to share the love and possibly get a shout out on the podcast, please take a couple of minutes to leave a review on your favorite platform. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more brand strategy techniques to level up your skills, make sure you check out brandmasteracademy.com. There's plenty of free resources and premium content for you to download and get you going. If you'd like to join our Facebook group full of like-minded brand strategists, all learning from each other, then find us by searching for the Brand Strategy Community, where you can find exclusive content for members as well. If you enjoyed this content, please be sure to give us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listened. And make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Brandmaster Podcast.